Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to interview incredible people. Pe- well, people that I think are incredible. These are leaders who are actually doing leadership, and but doing leadership in their own way. Leadership for me is being really human-centric in understanding the complexities of the human beings that work alongside you. All the leaders that I've interviewed in my series of interviews have just been that. Now, today I'm honoured to have a guest. Now, I've been trying to get this lady on a podcast for a long, long while now, but she's so super busy, it is difficult to get into her diary, but I've managed to do it. Uh, So today we've got Sonia Rai. She's the director of uh, Nectar HR. Uh, she started her journey many, many years ago as uh, in construction, uh, HR in construction, believe it or not. Um, uh, she loved HR. She's clearly been passionate about it. She's done a degree in it. She's done a master's in it. And clearly, just like for me, you know, policing was my passion. HR is Sonia's passion. It's great to see anybody with any kind of passion. She loved working in an organization, but didn't feel that she had the power to to make changes in just one organization. So she wanted that variety and to be able to impact uh, from a human resource angle on many, many different levels. I love that. And we're going to explore that in a short while. Um, She started freelancing in 2011, but uh, her clients, I guess, really pushed her to create a limited company, which is what she then did because her work was growing and how incredible. Um, she's had an interesting uh, journey and a blip in her journey due to illness, health, personal circumstances. She then had to stop. But then when circumstances improved, restarted her company in 2016 and it has grown. And I'm not surprised because I've been following her on LinkedIn and I see the great work that she's doing. And it's no wonder that people are coming to her. And she's actually grown her team to eight people now with the potential of one more person coming in in the next few months. Sonia, it's been an absolute pleasure finally getting you on here. Thank you so much. Hope you're well. Thank you, Cole. And wow, what an, what an introduction. I don't feel worthy of all of that, but um, thank you so much for <laughs> inviting me on. I'm really pleased that we're finally able to, to sit down and have a chat. And I'm really looking forward to our chat today because I feel like I've got a lot to say on this subject. First things first, your passion for HR is incredible. Thank you. Now, um, I love anybody with any passion for anything. I'll be honest with you. But with me, you know, in my leadership journey, HR was a, a... it was a critical factor in everything that I do, but it was also one of my greatest frustrations. And let me explain why. I, I very often felt that the HR people surrounding me at various stages of my leadership journey were uh, sort of prevented me from being creative as a leader. 
they would say to me, this is the policy, this is the policy, this is regulation. And I felt that I needed to be, uh, to, to have the courage to, uh, to, to work outside of that. Um, do you understand where I'm coming from with this? Absolutely, I do. And <laughs> um, so, you know, with me, I, I, and I, this is what I say to my clients and when I talk to people about HR, I get it because I am a HR professional um, and I'm very proud to be a HR professional, but I am also running my own business. Mm. So I get it because I have to manage my own team. And, and I completely understand that when HR sit there and say, this needs to be in the letter, um, and, you're, and the, the line manager's like, why does that have to be in the letter? And it's not me making that up. It's, that's an ACAS guideline or that's a, that's a regulation that we mm. have to adhere to. For example, when you're looking at um, inviting somebody into a disciplinary, you, know, you have to make them aware of potentially what might happen, even though something might not happen at all. There might not be any sanction. You, you have a, like a legal requirement to make them aware that there, there may be some kind of a, a warning and um, there may even potentially be a dismissal. And obviously that can set that whole process off on the wrong foot if you are that employee receiving that. And, yes. and I've had my manager say, does that have to go in the letter? Why do you have to say that? You know, I don't want to deal with it this way. Um, and that is just one example of we don't write the rules. Unfortunately, we're here to make sure that they are enforced appropriately to manage the risk for the organisation, but also that to ensure that that employee's rights are being adhered to. So it's a fine balance. Absolutely. And it is all about balance, isn't it? And and, and I think that uh, I would class you as the new breed of HR. Uh, so the 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 older older model of HR has been this very sort of regulated, very policy driven, very st- structured kind of advice or uh, uh, process or pr- parameters within within which you work. But people like yourself, I would re- describe you more as a, a sort of a, an HR business part, a much more strategic intent in in terms of you look wider, you look at the complexities of human beings and the human-centric leadership approach. And that's what I've admired about you in some of the posts that I've read and some of the work that you've done. So first and foremost, there's going to be a lot of leaders listening to this and, and they'll be interested in this concept of HR. Is it still viable for a leader to follow HR processes, but still be a leader within their own right and be creative and innovative and all the things that a leader needs to do, depending on individual circumstances? Absolutely. I mean, it depends on the circumstance and you've got to treat people fairly. So you can't treat one person differently in a scenario Hmm. because you like them a bit more than you you like somebody else. So we're going to throw the book at this guy, but we're not going to throw it at this. So it's about being fair and understanding where you're setting precedent. But we really do pride ourselves on quite a unique approach to HR. What we found, um, and, and I suppose where we've kind of grown in, in, the, in the market, as it were, is people are fed up of calling these large scale HR providers, speaking to some unknown person on the phone who isn't actually a HR professional, who's just been trained for about six weeks to, to read off a script. Um, and they're getting this really generic really really generic by the book advice so every time they ring up about a sickness they get told the same thing every time they ring up about a disciplinary or an issue with a staff member they get told the same thing we are completely different so we've thrown we've literally got that model and ripped it up and said right we're starting again and the way that we deal with it is when we work with organizations we want to know about them we want to know where they've come from where they're at now where they're going we want to know um, their vision 
Um, we want to know the kind of culture that they've built in their organisation and is that the right culture for them or do other do they want to change it? And then for us, that has to be reflected in the processes that they run and their policy and their procedure. Yeah, there's the baseline, there's legal requirements, but... Um, you know, what do you want to be like as an employer? Yeah, I love that. I mean, that, that, some of your values are coming out there and I knew that there was a reason why you and I needed to speak because that's exactly the same value approach that I have as a business. I don't want to grow into becoming one of these huge organisations that become very generic and very system and process driven. I, I, you know, I pride my, my organisation on being small enough to care but large enough to cope with whatever challenges that you might have. And, and, and I think there's something within that where it's very bespoke, the service, you know, you, you take individual circumstances into account. And I admire that. So, you know, you're talking about your, your yes, obviously you're, you're an expert in HR, um, but you're also a leader running your own organization and you've had incredible growth. You've been through a, a phenomenal journey. Do you want to just share some some of the key moments in that journey, you know, we've got a lot of people out there who are suffering with resilience and self-esteem and all of these kind of things. And very often leaders suffer with that as, as well. Do you want to just share some of your leadership journey uh, over the time? And maybe we can take some snippets of how we can become more resilient as well. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to say is don't believe everything that you see on social media because <laughs> we only portray what we want to portray on social media. And um, a lot of the time, and this is where I try and keep it a bit more real, I try and talk about some of the struggles as well. It's not easy running your own business. It's not easy looking after your clients and then managing your own team, even if it's just one person that you're looking after in your own team. It is not easy. I've had moments, you know, I've t I talked to you about... Um, when I, I set up as a limited company, I was running, you know, I had some really interesting clients and then I um, I fell pregnant with my youngest and I knew I was going to have this like really, really hard um, pregnancy. I knew it was hard, high risk. I actually was very open with my clients about what I was going through. But I had this whole like plan in my mind about what it was going to be like when I was going to be back. And that didn't happen because my pregnancy was high risk but then when my son was born I had a lot of issues he had a lot of health issues and I had to close my business down because at that time I couldn't think about being uh, being that HR professional but then but I'm not the kind of person that can not work as well and not kind of keep my mind active in different ways other than you know being a mum is amazing and the most challenging thing I've ever done but I like I like my work as well you know and next to HR is is also my baby so that that was really kind of like a pivotal moment for me first of all having to close the business that I'd worked so hard to build and then second of all going back to it um, and restarting it was hard because I didn't have anyone around you know when you're when you're running your own business or when you're consulting it's just you you don't have anyone really to bounce those ideas off so you're kind of constantly having conversations with yourself in your mind Absolutely. Um, and then you know I opened back up in 2016 like you said the business has massively grown and I got to this point where I was like I can't do this on my own anymore like I really need some help but what does that help look like now luckily I'm in HR so I know how to write a job description I know how to place my adverts I know how to sift and screen I know how to write my interview questions so actually and I've taken that for granted a lot because I've worked with a lot of business leaders that haven't got those skill sets because that's not the business that they're running. So I've used it to my advantage and I've almost treated myself like I treat a client. What do I need for Nectar? What do I need to get this off the ground? 
Um, and then th I think the biggest thing for me when it's come to building my team, recruiting people, um, is A, finding the balance of knowing when I need to go out and recruit because a certain amount of more work has come in. And I, and I can't stress to you enough, Cole, the, the responsibility that I feel as the, the founder and director of this organisation, I am responsible for those staff members. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm responsible for, for them paying their mortgage and them paying their bills. And that is a huge responsibility. So I take it really seriously. But then because of the job that I do and the way that I've gone into organisations and worked with them and seen it go wrong so many times, I don't want that in my organisation. I've almost learned a lot from everybody else's mistakes. Um, our tagline at Nectar HR is putting the human back into HR. So that's on a number of levels, how we work with our clients, but how we work with their employees. But it's also going to be how we work with each other as a team. So I treat every person that joins the business as I would want to be treated. And that is just like the number one thing that I bring it back to. So when I'm onboarding somebody, I've just we just had a new starter last week. Um, what what would I want when I start an organisation? Do I want to do I, do I want to get there, and do I not want to have even had an email about my start date, my time, you know, uh, am I taking any lunch? Little things, you know, is there if I take a sandwich, is there going to be somewhere for me? Is it can I get tea and coffee? Th these little things, yeah. Um, so I try and take all of that out before somebody starts with this, and I've got like a set process that I run through. But then when they start. The first thing is that they, they walk into that room, their laptop is ready, the equipment that they need is ready. We're not waiting two weeks. I, I've, I have seen people joining police services and then leaving that police service shortly after because for like three or four weeks, they haven't even got their, their login details sorted. And I think, well, this is a large organisation. Why is that not sorted? You know, and, and you're right, Sonia. Sometimes it's the smallest of things. And if we've learned one thing from things like the Great Resignation is that I think people people's um, priorities have been recalibrated. You know, and we talk about Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. And you're talking about like the very basic stuff. But it's a very basic stuff that really are life-changing. So, so that's incredible. Yeah, and it's like... They, when they log on, their email's there, they're ready, they're set up, and they've already got emails from me saying, welcome. Um, the, the rest of the team have already booked in their calls to do their introductions. Their, their passwords are already ready. They've got a document with all of their passwords. That, that day, my diary is clear, and that's hard for me to do uh, because it, it is so busy. But that day, my diary is clear, and I take the time to sit with them, and I go through, what do you like to drink? Are you a tea or coffee person? This is where this is where we keep our food. This is where the toilets are. This is the, the simplest of things um, I, I go through with them. Then I keep doing my check-ins with them. But it's really about what what resonates with them. So I say to them, and this is the other big thing for me is, you're coming in, you're doing this induction. The, the last slide of the induction is, what did we miss? Is there anything we need to change? And so I asked them to go away and think about it. And is there anything else as a new starter or a joiner that they want to tell me needs to be done for the next person that joins? Because you've got to constantly evolve, haven't you? You can't mm. just think, oh, I've done it and I've got it right and that's it. Um, and that's one way that I have driven that team and I'm creating a culture at Nectar that isn't anything to do with employment legislation or anything else. It's about me making them feel that I've got time for them. They are important to me. And I tell them this, 
you know, and I tell them about my journey with the business, about how important it is to me, about how they are representing me when they go and speak to clients or when they're going out with clients. So you're talking about the values of not just the business, but of you yourself and, and also testing to see if those values align with the individual that you've got sitting in front of you. Exactly. Um, and, and I will test that in the recruitment and selection process as well. But they will have already known a lot of this about me before they decide to join because I, I'm very open with them in that recruitment and selection process. But um, some things that we do at Nectar, like... Um, we're really big on birthdays. I'm a big birthday person. I love making a fuss of people when it's their birthday. I've got to the stage in my life, Sonia, where I'd say, don't worry about my birthday. No, I wouldn't take that. I'd be like, no, it's going in the diary. We're going to make a big deal of it. Um, so, you know, I, I like I say to them, when's your birthday? That's going in the diary and we will plan for people. We plan for people's birthdays. Um, we also do volunteering. So they get to choose a charity because uh, chari- charity and giving back and giving back to the community is something that's really important to me. Um, we work with a number of charities pro bono and um, I'm the HR lead for a national helpline and I have been for about seven years. So uh, th- this kind of thing is really important to me. So I ask them to choose a charity and I ask them to let me know what kind of work they want to do and they can have paid time off to do that within the year. They can do whatever they want. They can go to a cat shelter, they can paint benches, whatever it is, whatever resonates with them, because life isn't just about work, work, work. I don't want to just go to work and it's just about work. So why would I expect them to? I I love where you're coming from. I mean, this is real human-centric stuff and, you know, it's like music to my ears, especially coming from an HR professional, you know. This is why I think you are like the new breed of HR. But listen... you're doing some incredible work in your own organization because you understand, you know, there has to be that balance between HR, but also around leadership and being very human centered in your approach. And, and as you quite rightly sort of uh, observe, humans have all got different needs. You know, when we talk about diversity, diversity for me is beyond the characteristics that we talk about. It's about every single individual human being and how individual their needs and their thoughts and their experiences might be but you must be called into organization Sonia where you feel like you you know put your face in your hands or you're ripping your hair out because you think I wish we'd have engaged sooner because very often people have to call in HR because they have a very very tough conversation to have with somebody but that conversation could have been had way in advance it would have been still a difficult conversation but you would never have got to the stage where it becomes a horrible conversation you must have had these kind of experiences oh my gosh Carl, i cannot tell you how many um we see and and really when we when we've got called into that point that is a snowball that has been mm. something small um and it's either it's been let go or it's been ignored or They've allowed it to happen and then something else is triggered and something else is triggered and it gets to this point where it's a disciplinary, it's a massive grievance, it's a settlement agreement, it's sickness absence. What we say to the client is, right, we're going to deal with this issue for you. We are going to help you go through this, but then where, where you're really going to get the value from us is unpicking how this happened in the first place. So if you want us to come in every single month and be doing settlements for you and, and doing sickness absence issues and occupational health referrals and all this kind of stuff and you've got all these people off on stress at work that's fine that's not best use of our time best use of our time is let's go back to the start and say how did this happen in the first place 
Mm. Um, and I can give you some examples of of some of that. So sometimes it's, well, most of the time they don't want to have a difficult conversation. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to pick something up with somebody. And um, let's say somebody is now repeatedly coming in late. They, they don't want to have that conversation with them. And sometimes it goes one way where the line manager that just then blows and says, you're always late and this, that and the other. And it turns into an altercation. And then we've got potentially disciplinary, potentially grievance. The person goes off sick, all sorts of other things. Or they don't do anything about it. And um, there is an underlying issue for that person. That person's actually, I've dealt with this scenario before. Actually, the, the employee's um, father had become really unwell and she didn't tell anybody at work and she had to take on caring responsibilities. It made her really late for work. Nobody picked up a conversation with her. Um, and actually, it really impacted her at work. It impacted her performance until HR had to come in and then it all came out. And sometimes, you know, performance issues... Uh, aren't straightforward performance issues that take you down a disciplinary path. Sometimes it's a welfare issue. It is, yeah. Uh, and, and more often than not, some you know welfare has a key part to play. But if you unpick it soon enough, then you can help and support and, and at the end of it all, get a better member of staff. I and mean, I remember taking over a, a department, um, in a brand new department, there's something like two or 300 staff in this department. And I wanted to meet all the senior team within the department. So... I cleared my diary and I had them in for like half an hour conversations. And this one lady came in and she was really, really, she was one of the best people when it came to analysis for us. And uh, she sort of looked after that particular area. So we'd been talking for just like two or three minutes on you. And uh, I knew that this lady had been off sick for a long while. She'd been off sick for something like six months. She'd actually had a fall at work, hurt, uh, you know, damaged her head very badly and uh, she'd only just got back to work and uh, so we were talking for like maybe three or four minutes and then she burst into tears and I said what's going on just 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 talk to me about what what's affecting you right now it must be so challenging for you to come back to work after six months off and a head injury because it had been a serious head injury she says well yes it has and my job seems to have changed and my confidence has been affected I nearly died and and now I'm expected to work five days a week straight away I said, well, I don't know who made that decision, but here we go. What you're going to do is you're going to work one day a week and then we'll bring you, build it up to two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. And in, in the space of, I think it was two months, we had her back up to five days a week. But do you know what? She became one of my best staff. I could ask her to do anything and she'd work longer hours. She'd do more work because she valued my me valuing her. You know, she, she trusted me as a leader. And I think trust uh, comes from, having those healthy conflict conversations. And I think that's what you're alluding to, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I mean, statistically, when you phase return somebody to work, the um, repeat sickness massively reduces because mm. you've taken, they've taken their time and you've, ta- and you've taken your time in phasing them back in. Um, and I mean, you know, how to treat people when they're off work um, with, with sickness absence is like a whole, is like a whole other story. You've seen it just so wrong. You know, they don't link in with them. They don't do home visits. They don't tell them what's going on in the organisation. And then they just expect them to come back to work. Another key one is maternity leave. Uh, yeah, exactly. You've, they're so forgotten almost, aren't they? They are. They're just forgotten. They don't even, they're not even in email distributions. And, you know, sometimes we're doing a restructure with a client recently. And it was like, have you thought about the people on maternity? Oh, my God, no, I didn't even think about them. And it's like, no, we need to, <laughs> we need to involve everybody. 
Um, but, you know, when you leave these kind of scenarios where, you know, you have got someone coming in late, whatever reason it is, you're not having the conversations, you're not dealing with it, or you're blowing up, or it's, it's going into some other scenario. Also, what impression are you giving the rest of the team? What are they seeing? What they are thinking that, you know what, my line, this person's coming in late all the time. We don't know the reason why. That can also cause conflict because they're now picking up the extra work. They're feeling resentful. Um, but also my line manager's just letting them get away with it. So you know what? I think I might come in late a few times. I think I'm going to just push it a little bit as well. And what they don't realise is slowly, 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 they're creating the chaos that then we then have to go into pick up this is such an important point that you're making here Sonia. i mean uh, and we're seeing this in large-scale organizations happening right now so you know one of the big ones at the moment that a lot of people are talking about is the nhs and uh, you know i saw something on the news the other day about how the nhs is really struggling to recruit and uh, retain its staff and i did a a piece of work with a health care provider uh, a few months ago 1400 staff and we did a culture audit and the amount of staff that were saying that they felt under pressure, unappreciated, overworked, overwhelmed, and they said, we can't see an end to it all. So consequently, people were going off sick. But the fact that people were going off sick meant that re that, that remaining work had to go on the, the smaller number of people that existed. And so that creates a greater risk of them going off sick. So it has this this sort of boomerang effect. If, if we don't nip something in the bud, actually, that can escalate quite quickly to something very very large scale that impacts the whole of your organization doesn't it yeah and you know you lead by example it's a little bit like having children isn't it it's, it's is it do as i say but not as i do you know what are you showing um i always reflect on what i show my children what do they see about where because i get my work ethic from my parents you know i've seen how my parents have worked hard what they've built for themselves the life that they were able to give me when i was younger a very privileged upbringing and i have realized and really reflected on how that's shaped my work ethic and um, yes i do work really long hours sometimes my children do get really annoyed when my phone keeps ringing i'm answering emails when i'm out with them sometimes and it, you know it's a bit of family time but then they also know that like recently we were on holiday and they know that we wouldn't be able to be here and be in such a nice hotel and do if mom didn't do this. Um, so, and for me, it's about, it's the same when you're a leader in an organization. So we're, we're, we've been supporting an organization where the lead, the leader of that organization, their CEO is um, really not performing to the level that the CEO should be performing to. Emails get left unanswered. People get told one thing and promised something, but then somebody else gets promised something else. And it causes, it's caused them complete chaos, complete confusion. The, 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 the level below don't know what's expected of them, but it's filtered down completely through the organisation because people think it's okay not to reply to emails. And, you know, I mean, if I don't reply to my emails within like quite quickly sometimes, something might might happen that I don't need to happen. And here's the thing. I, 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 I'm, I'm a bit like you. If I get an email and I notice that email, I have to respond to that email straight away as soon as I can. The amount of time people, and I had it yesterday when, when somebody said, oh my goodness, I didn't expect you to reply so soon, but thank you so much. It makes the other person, the sender of that email, feel valued. Uh, and and for you, actually, it doesn't take much of your time to, to be able to do that. But you're given this example of this CEO and the rest of their team is quite confused and 
probably acted, you know, operating in different directions because of the lack of uh, sort of vision that they're getting from the CEO and direction. That for me is, 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 is it sort of sends shivers up my spine because I get excited about that kind of stuff. I love to get into these kind of companies and, and help build that team ethos and that leadership ethos. Um, but you must get called in and you're thinking, well, if the CEO is behaving like this, then where is our starting point as HR? Where could you possibly start? So what would you do there? So um, I'm going to be honest with you. I value the relationship that we have with our clients. Um, for me, the bottom line is what is best for that organisation and that business. Um, how do we support them? And a lot of the time that is by supporting the employee, doing the right thing. So, I, But I always say to my clients, and this is one of the reasons why I like the relationship that we have with them, I will always tell you how it is. You might not like what I'm going to tell you, but this is our analysis. This is what our investigations have told us. Here's the examples, and I'll always back everything up with evidence. So in that case, it's it's having conversations with their board, um, discussing where they want to go next, what they want to do, and how we need to make that happen for them. It, there, there is another organisation that we've been working with, um, and their CEO is their business has grown massively over the last few years and perhaps wrongly or rightly other people have been trusted to take certain decisions that have not panned out very well so a lot of recruitment decisions that have been made have been very very poor uh, subsequently structures have been put in that are incorrect job job roles job descriptions actual responsibilities aren't actually providing the service that they need to provide and the CEO was quite sheltered from a lot of what was going on and not really understanding that this is a mess. And we've really gone in and said, for the number of employees that you should have, you shouldn't have this many settlement agreements. You shouldn't have this many ER cases. Your retention is shocking. And actually, we need to bring it all back down to basics. So um, we have had to rewrite all of the, the policy, the process, the contracts. But we've actually had to look at things like recruitment. People don't understand how important recruitment and selection is. If you get that wrong person into your organisation, it can create chaos for you. It, but also, if you're not being fair to that person that you're bringing in, you're, you're, you're bringing them in and you're going, oh, this is your job. You're doing job A. But they come in and they're expected to do B, C, D, E and pick up all of this. And it's just it, it, it becomes a chaotic mess. Um, and it's not fair on the individual. And it's not fair on the organisation. And ultimately, whatever service you're providing is not happening. Your business is not running. And so on reflection with this CEO, he's like, I did not realise how important people are in my business. And I said to him that they are your number one asset. If you get your people right, you get your processes right. Everything else will follow. But you haven't got it right, and you, now you're in the situation that you're in. If we were to sum up our whole conversation, it's by what you just said. Understand the importance of your people. Put your people first. Get your people right. Everything else follows from that. I think not enough organisations understand this. Uh, Sonia, I can't believe we've run out of time here. Uh, there's so much more I would want to talk to you. I think we need to have a, a part two to this conversation, really. Uh, but listen... Thank you so much uh, for sharing time with us. Uh, I know how busy you are, so I really am appreciative. Uh, if I can persuade you, we'll try and do a part two to this, uh, a, like a continuation. 
I think there's so much valuable HR insight that you're giving here uh, that a lot of uh, small business owners, large business owners, leaders within their own right will be looking at this and saying, hey, do you know what? I need to do this. I need to do that. Maybe I'll try this. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sonia, with us and sharing your wisdom. All the very best. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.